This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry McGuire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form and more recently in audio form. And you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round-the-corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature. Stuff that keeps me up at night. Stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. It costs a fiver a month or 50 a year. And you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to Sunday Letters com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. Daniel Dennett, the philosopher, wrote an article in 1984 uh, titled um, I Could Not Have Done Otherwise So What? And he writes about this whole idea of moral responsibility in the context of free will, life being being free, we have the choice, the freedom to make choices, uh, or it's almost a, a dichotomy, free will or determinism. Are we free to choose or are, are, are our lives determined? And um, I've got a little clip that I want to share with you, and I hope I'm not getting into trouble for, for stealing it from YouTube. I might do, but... Maybe I won't. I'll give it a go anyway. If you're listening to this on Sunday Letters com, you'll get it because I don't think it'll be edited, but elsewhere it might be chopped out. So we'll go on anyway. So on this whole subject of uh, free will, determinism, uh, stroke indeterminism. So to clarify, uh, we like to think we have free will the ability to choose and it certainly feels like we do in a lot of cases but then there are occasions when we feel like um we're being pushed around that life is happening to us rather than us happening to life and maybe it's a little bit of both now there's another idea uh it's it's i suppose the opposite of determinism indeterminate indeterminism which suggests that our lives are undetermined they're random, probabilistic, uh, which seems to be more accurate. And um, I think Daniel Dennett does a better <laughs> does a better uh, attempt at explaining this than me. So I'm going to share that with you now. Uh, I'm writing about this a little bit on um, the Nomic this week, this Wednesday. And um, if you are a subscriber to Sunday Letters, cost a fiver a month. You'll get this article uh, for free. Um, and I'm getting into this notion of whether or not responsibility or moral responsibility has any weight. I mean, it seems to me that moral responsibility, that whole concept, uh, the structure and content of morals comes from a religious background whereby, you know, uh, that it's your you know the legal system has adopted it and we're, we're we're responsible for our actions and if you did something wrong you're going to be punished but then in contrast to that 
if you did something right, apparently right or good, according to certain people, there's no denying it. They'll accept you for it and never question you. You might question yourself. You might say, ah, oh, and this is taken from Dennett's article as well. You might say, hey, yeah, sure, it was nothing, you know, um, and they'll say, oh, no, you were you were great or whatever. Well done. And you'll be all coy about it. But your your actions will never be called into question when the results turn out good for other people. Uh, so this whole idea of responsibility, um, it's kind of a funny little a funny idea. Um, and maybe we need to drop it. And Daniel Dennett talks about this whole notion of dropping the idea of blame. You know, we want to blame someone. Something happened, so it's his fault. And it happened, it's his fault because he did this. But we don't want to take into account the myriad of other things that went on. The whole enormous complexity, like ridiculously complex nature of reality that goes on all around every single one of us. And um, for example, let's take a big let's take a big incident in the 20th century, uh, World War II, Adolf Hitler, and the extermination of millions of Jews. We don't like to think as a society, that we created Adolf Hitler, that that was a German problem, that the Germans created him, and anti-Semitism in Europe at the time, which was going on for probably 100 years or more, created him, or he was just born a bad bastard, and he should he, he'd have to pay for that, or a serial killer who uh, murders gay men and chops them up and buries them under his floorboards and in his back garden and burns them on bonfires and flushes them down the toilet, that he is uh, an anomaly and that his actions uh, are entirely his own and it's nothing to do with us. When the truth of the matter is, he is a product, just like Hitler was a product of our society. And we asked for him in not so many words, but we created him and the structures of our society that we built created him. And in other words, we have to take the good with the bad and on an individual basis in your life and my life, when shit lands, you got to deal with it and blaming other people with a recent incident, actually closer to home where there was a problem. Uh, a neighbor had a problem and instead of solving the problem, which was on their, their property, they chose to blame somebody else instead of solving the problem. And they, they put up with the problem for a long time before it, became resolved because I suppose it fueled their position made them feel alive and maybe that's maybe that's part and parcel of it anyway I'll share this piece from Daniel Dennett and then uh, I'll get back to you um, with my own thoughts continued here we go Daniel Dennett on free will Dan, if I were to believe in materialism, physicalism, that everything in my mind is my brain and everything is determined in a physical world, how then can I have free will? I think this is the hidden agenda for all of the consciousness work and particularly the controversy around it. People want to know about free will. They want to protect free will. And so they should. It's very important. Uh, but what they also have to realize is that free will is just as hard to reconcile with indeterminism. If the world is undetermined, it's just as hard to see how you could have free will that mattered because you want to determine what you do. 
it's really interesting that we use this word determined and mainly it's a it's it's a term of praise we say she's so determined <laughs> and so we should it's we want to determine our actions yeah, yeah. but we don't want us to be determined in the determining of our actions now I think that people have been looking in the wrong place for 2,000 years and more on this. They've been looking at physics, determinism, indeterminism physics. They should have been looking at biology. Because the key to free will is understanding that free will is a, is a biological level phenomenon. It's not a physical level phenomenon. We are freer than our parts. Our parts don't have free will, but we do. Now, how could that possibly be? Without adding something extra. Without adding anything mysterious. So we have to make free will compatible with determinism. Right. But we're not going to say that our, our actions aren't determined, but we're going to show that they're not inevitable. Now, the most natural thing in the world to say is, if my future is determined, then it's inevitable. What on earth does that mean? Compare. If my future is determined, it's determined. That's true. That's just a tautology. So what does the word inevitable add? What does it mean more than yeah, determined? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. If we want to get clear on this, we have to see what inevitable means. It means unavoidable. So then we have to get clear about what avoiding is. And then we can begin to see the biological dimension. Because what's happened on this planet over the last four billion years has been an explosion of avoiding avoiding dissolution avoiding being eaten avoiding starving to death uh, what evolution has done is designed organisms that do a little bit of avoiding and there's been an arms race and the avoiders have become cleverer and cleverer and cleverer and how do you avoid something? You avoid something by anticipating it and then taking corrective measures. Right. Simplest case, incoming brick. You see it, you <laughs> duck, you avoid it. You say, well, you see, I avoided that incoming brick. Well, was it ever really going to hit you? No, because the light bounced off the brick into your eyes. You saw it you, in time so that you ducked. So suppose you were determined to duck. Well, then the brick was never going to hit you, was it? It just seemed as if it was going to hit you. What we have to understand is that free will is our capacity to see probable futures, futures that seem like they're going to happen in time to take steps so that something else happens instead. Now, we, we, people say, you can't change the past. That's true. Yeah. Uh -huh. You can't change the future either. From what to what? I mean, <laughs> the future is what happens next. But what you can do is change what you thought the future was going to be into something else. And this is the key to avoiding. Here's my problem. I see at the physics level this absolute determinism sure. of Determin particle yep. and particle from way back. Now at the biological level, 
we're talking about avoidance. So how does the avoidance help us to avoid the determinism? Because it is determined. Well, it is determined, but just remember that that's not as important as people have thought because it doesn't apply inevitability. I, I hate to tell you the conclusion I seem to be coming to. I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I, I, I seem to feel if it's all physical, that free will there's something wrong with that definition or exactly. I can't I can't deal no. with a traditional definition of free no. will under either scenario right. determinism or indeterminism unless I add something extra and some non-physical stuff then I can get my free will uh, I, I think that's right I think we have to recognize that sure there are varieties of free will the traditional varieties which who cares whether we've got them the varieties that matter the varieties of free will worth wanting as I've said are com perfectly compatible with determinism. Now, do we have to give up something? Yeah, we have to give up some of the ideology about freedom. We also have to give up something and good riddance to it about blame and responsibility. That would scare some people. I think so. They want to be absolutist about responsibility. I mean, the idea of just in the eyes of God, <laughs> sin, uh, uh, that has to go. Uh, but what we replace it with is still a very rich and familiar concept. And that is, we're not deluded about our sense of our own capacity. We are determined to be the masters of our fate to a surprisingly gratifying degree. Let me offer you this note on fatalism, determinism, and indeterminism, just to help clarify things a small bit. Fatalism is uh, the position that, uh, and it differs from determinism, in that it suggests our fate is unavoidable, that you might take different paths, but if you're going to get hit by a bus next week, you're going to get hit by a bus, and that's always been the case, um, perhaps even before you were born. Determinism suggests that we have no other choice in any given moment than the one that we had, the one that we took. And uh, after the fact, we couldn't have chosen any other. So uh, one thing leads to another cause and effect, and that's it. Uh, in contrast, indeterminism suggests that no event is certain and the entire outcome of anything is probabilistic. So that kind of stems from um uh what you call it uh, uh quantum physics mind block there for a sec. Uh, so anyway, what did you think of uh, Daniel Dennett on free will? I mean, it it I like it, you know? I mean, it feels accurate to me. Now when you read the stuff it's a bit it's difficult to grasp at times. Uh, and there's a link in, in today's article to, to the paper, uh, that art, that essay he wrote in 1984. But he's got a load of stuff out there. Um, and uh, you should definitely check it out. I'm going to be getting more of his stuff just to put on top of the pile of books that I haven't read yet. But um, on this, on uh, to kind of conclude, if I even went anywhere with this, but um, I'm, I'm more... In, along the lines of uh, the world being indeterministic or our lives being, being undetermined and that all there is is now and that the past 
the past is gone. We can do nothing about it. It's a series of mind stamps, like uh, calling a movie in your mind, but it only exists by virtue of the fact that we have a memory, whatever that is. Uh, the future doesn't exist at all. So there's nothing we can do about yesterday and there's nothing we can do about tomorrow. But we can change our attitude. And I think that's what Daniel Dennett was saying in that short clip. We can change our view, our opinion of what's possible and what happened in the past. Like We can effectively change our mood and our entire way of carrying ourselves in the world by repositioning ourselves in relation to what happened yesterday, last year. I mean, you're not going to change it. So the only thing you can change is your attitude towards it. Um, and I think when we manage to do that, the future can change from what we thought it would be otherwise. I mean, we can be so rooted in our past experience that we can't see any way out. So in that sense, our past is determining our future. So it seems to me that we are the only ones in control to an extent. Uh, and it all depends on how we view it. All there is is this. This is it. I mean, that's so obvious to me. And I exist in it. Kind of like, although this isn't the proper analogy, but it seems like I'm a bit of a bystander in all of this, watching it going on. Well, there is a sense of watching it going on. Um, but not uh, not a, I'm not fearful of it, if that makes sense. I'm not, uh, I don't feel at odds with it. I might have done before, but not now. So this is it. And what we do now, our attitudes towards our past our, and, and our vision for our future can change. But the only moment that that can change is here and now. And that's that to me is so obvious. So this linear cause and effect thing that determinism suggests is just a little bit flawed to me because that that puts you back in the past your past determine your future, like the wake of a boat pushing a boat. But that's not how it works. The boat creates the wake, you know, and the boat can decide where it's going to go. So the past doesn't dictate the future. The, the wake doesn't push the boat. It's a good analogy, isn't it? I like that analogy. Um, so whatever goes on, it's all going on now. And uh, getting into it and enjoying it regard well, you can't enjoy it when it's shit. I mean, you're not expected to enjoy it when when things turn out shit, but you are expected if you want um to feel good about your own existence. I mean, you are expected to deal with it. There's no point burying your head in the sand. Am I going off the topic a little bit here? I don't know. Um, there's one thing for me is in all of this is that whatever we consider ourselves to be. This this ego surface level personality uh, is is a little bit of a fiction. There's no there's no little bit about it. It is a fiction. It's an illusory self. It's constructed by what Lacan called the subject in order to have an intellectual representation uh, for itself. Uh, the the organism. I mean the organ. You can't get away from the fact that you're an organism. But some people have disembodied. Um, concepts of themselves that maybe in youth they didn't manage to form a proper sense of self uh, uh, intellectual self and attach it to their or their organic self uh, and and in that respect they're fragmented so i mean it's a natural process 
this intellectualization of ourselves. We see ourselves in the mirror as kids or a reflection in the puddle. And we say, hey, that's me. You know, we have this realization that this thing is me. So I'm it. And the name that my mother calls me, that's me too. So it's all me. Um, quite narcissistic, as Lacan said, but it's an essential uh, process. Um, it's kind of, um, I am me, but I'm not me. A kind of an alienation of myself. So that's the object or the, the structure that forms its hypotheses about the world. So when we think about lives being determined, lives being um, undetermined and free will and all this kind of stuff, it is the ego self that kind of comprises all these things and considers these things. Um, so and considering that's a fiction, that self is illusory, well, then all of these ideas about free will are nonsense too. So you have no choice. I mean, if you exist, you exist and you've got to get on with it. And uh, to me, we have no choice but to get on with it and make the best of it. Um, and that's it's that acceptance of conditions that allows us to carry on. And in our non-acceptance of it, or our idea that the world pushes us around and we're just kind of this poor little me bouncing around the place, um, that's disempowering as well. I don't know if I'm making any sense here. I'm, I know I'm going off on a bit of a rant. But um, finally, on moral responsibility, um, I'm I'm pretty much coming to terms with the fact that we possibly have no choice. That we have no choice. When you talk about it here and now, that this is the only existence we have, we have no choice there because we're in it. You know? Well, you do have a choice. You can throw yourself off a bridge. And you, that's kind of a get out clause. But then then again, maybe it's not. Um, so I think that right here and now, we either get into it and get with it or we don't. Or we think that we, the power to push us around and dictate our lives exists outside us or exists here. At the end of the day, we got to suck it up regardless what happens and get on with it. Because that's really a coming to terms with our reality. I've got to come to terms with mine. And you've got to come to terms with yours. So <laughs> in that sense, we've no choice. So get on with it, you know. Uh, thanks for listening to this midweek rant from myself here on uh, the Nomic. Part of Sunday Letters goes out on a Wednesday. If you want to get uh, Daniel Dennett's essay, you can do that. There's a link in today's article. Um I'll include uh, that link in, in the description for the audio. Okay, so that's all I've got. Uh, do come over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com. Check out the essays. Uh, maybe become a supporter. Uh, join us on Discord for a few chats. Might see you there. And until Sunday, take care of yourselves. I'll see you soon.